great insight. Technology feeds you actionable insights on prospects, pain points, and needs at scale by integrating with your outbound strategy and your tech stack. Go to gr8insight.com and sign up for free today. I'm Nadir Mansur, host of the SDR Conversion Excellence. And we will have our guest today, Gallum Germay, a leader in AE at Flywire, a former BDR at Flywire, and currently the co-founder of one of the fastest growing communities, Rev Genius, built for sales, marketing, and RevOps leaders and reps that are looking to share knowledge and expertise across many areas. Hi, everyone. So uh, today we do have a special guest with us here today, uh, Gallum Germay. Uh, she is an account executive at a uh, vertical SaaS uh, within the financial services called Flywire. And she used to be a business development rep for that within the same organization. So it's a it's quite nice to see a uh, BDR transition into a new role, uh, especially within the sales side. But not only that, and Gallum, this is where I'm really, really psyched and impressed, um, is you having started this great community, Rev Genius, as a co-founder. And mm -hmm. I got to say, I'm impressed. Like uh, the, the amount of user base that you were you were able to accumulate within the first two to three months over over five thousand to six thousand users now and the different areas that you guys have have been sort of uh, supporting with not only just sales but marketing rev ops and the different areas from sales uh, jobs to technology to sdr to how we can support every single function or sub function within mm -hmm. the sales sales side so uh thanks thanks for joining us today i really appreciate that yeah, thank you for having me. And I'm excited to have a conversation with you about all these things. Um, and actually, we have, it keeps growing every single day. I can barely keep up with the numbers. But uh, last time I checked was uh, just over 7,000 members Wow! in the community. Yeah. yeah. This is it's crazy. So it's like, um, the, the, the uh, actually, the interesting thing that I wanted to pick up on on this is how did this start? Right. Because it's like you have people, especially entrepreneurs now, especially people that are trying to create something new. Mm -hmm. The traction is always one of the biggest problems ever. Right. They focus on the product. They focus on the on, on the so-called need. But it's executing on that sort of realm of clarity and focus that you guys have created and ensuring that you get that continuous traction, as you said, right now, growing mm -hmm. above and beyond 7000. How do you, how did you, I mean, what drivers, how did you look at this uh, starting uh, from, from, from scratch? Yeah, so it started with me and Jared getting together. We met on uh, two different trainings within one week, and this was like early May. So that's initially how we found each other, right? Like he lives in New York, I live in London. So we didn't know each other before all of this, but we met uh, in May through different trainings. And then we kind of just started to chat on LinkedIn. Like that's how our relationship started, our friendship. And um, very quickly, we just like vibed and we had so many conversation around business and all these different events that we had been attending. 
And then uh, next thing you know, we kind of just, we both had people coming to us saying like, hey, how, how are you able to attend all these different webinars? Like, how do you do all of this? And so we started to just educate and share all these different resources that we both had access to. So that started with a small group of, of common friends um, in a group message, like on LinkedIn. And then from there, like, those individuals started to inviting their friends and we all kind of just started to get to know each other in the same circles. And, you know, growing from me and Jared to four people to then 38 people, our apps on LinkedIn started to crash and we're like, all right, what can we do from here? So people started asking us like, let's move away from this. Can you start a Slack group or something? Just let's get away from this particular platform because we can't do anything else while we're here. So, we said, yeah, sure, let's do that. And then from there on, you know you know how Slack is. I mean, you're part of the community too. So uh, you keep inviting your friends and then you know your coworkers and you have all these different people and it just, the network just start growing organically on its own. And that's, that's how it initially started. And then from there, you know, in the middle of all of that growth, we're like, okay, clearly people are here for a reason. Why are they here? And we, and we start to figure out like people need a support system and network. Um, they, they wanted to share information with one another. They wanted to get educated. They wanted to get inspired and really motivated in their day-to-day because, I mean, COVID has like thrown everyone off. And I think it's hard for some individuals or majority of us working in sales. Like I find this challenging too, that to keep the motivation level up all the time, you know, to make your calls, to send your emails, to do all those activities that you need to do in order to build up your pipeline. So having a a group of individuals who are all on the same page trying to achieve, you know, the same outcome in all these different organizations, it kind of like just became a natural hub for people to come to and network and mingle and get to know each other. And and even it's beyond the professional world that we live in. Like it's, it's these blurred lines between professional and personal. And I think that's the beautiful thing about this community is that we can all coexist and it's a place for everyone and everyone's welcome to to join in and then it's just kind of it grew out you know from these different initiatives and creating roundtables and then webinars and then mentorship program and book clubs and all these like fun and amazing things and now a podcast and a lot of these initiatives have started from our own members like raising their hands and saying, hey, I want to do this. This is something I would like to explore. Is this possible to do? And then now like we have city heads and people, again, throwing up their hands saying like, what about my city? I want to do something here too. So it just keeps evolving, you know, every single week. And I would, I would actually go a step further. I mean, we're both in the ambassador uh, sort of program. And I've seen behind the curtain the things that sort of the initiative taken by mm-hmm. Jared, by you, by many others within within the ambassadorship program. But I feel like it's also a rewarding journey. If you mm. look at it from a perspective of a, a, a new joiner, when you look at the people that are intellectually curious, the people that are driven by initiative, the, re, the people that are looking to learn something new, like you said, it's almost like uh, tailored to every single uh, type of persona coming with a different intent but ensuring that with agility, you're able to entertain any new initiative and ensure that all of these people that are curious stay engaged and come back and invite other people to be part of the community. So I think I, think I agree with you 100%. That is quite special in on itself. 
and, and that kind of drives me into the into the next thing, which is when you talk about engaging these people, when you talk about uh, ensuring that everything works well and there is a lot of alignment, that 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 to me demonstrates a lot of level of leadership skills as well, because it's one thing to offer it for others to sort of come and, and share everything that they that they know how to do best and enable others mm -hmm. and coach others, but it's also something of a leadership. Right. So it's like, mm -hmm. how did you how did you see yourself transition into this leadership role as a co-founder and as somebody that is now sort of supporting others to take those initiatives and ensuring that they take those initiatives with clarity and focus and ultimately execute upon them? So that's that's another thing I'm really curious about, because you you have a special story. I mean, you, you came in as a BDR for Flywire, you transitioned mm -hmm. to an AE, you created something that now has over 7,000 users and it's growing like crazy. So in essence, that level of leadership has come from somewhere. I'm just curious, how did you nurture that um, uh, throughout your journey? That, that I think is, a, is an important thing I would love for others to hear. Yeah, it's, it's an excellent question. So thank you for this question. Um, so it really, it starts with how I was raised and how I grew up. And then it kind of evolved into me growing up and finding other ways to become a leader in my circles, right? So let's start from the very beginning of how I grew up and what made me then continue on the path of being a leader in the communities that I've been a part of, whether that's a virtual community or uh, in-person community or whatever it is, my circle basically, is that it started with me as a six or seven-year-old. Uh, with my biological family, I was the one in, the, in my family who took care of my two younger sisters. So that was my beginning of growing up really fast, having to be in charge of other people in my own family. Uh, my two sisters, right? They're younger than me. Uh, my parents weren't able to take care of us. So we ended up in foster care. But I was that kid who was like six, seven, up to eight years old. Who took care of my siblings like I would be the one playing with them uh, bringing them along to hang out with me and my friends uh, changing their diapers feeding them like that was that was how I grew up right for a long time then I was placed in foster care and now I had to really like find ways to belong and that was the other piece that I acknowledged later on in my life that the reason why I really love building this community is the fact that I really have this sense of belonging, which I know a lot of our members feels too, that now they have like this home and we call it like your uh, alternative work family because it really, it feels like it, even though it is 7,000 people and it, it keeps growing, we have created ways for people to stay connected to align on certain passions, certain interests, right? Like, you know about this, like we have clubs, we have a bunch of other initiatives that would align people or maybe it's geographical and territorial, but that's kind of how my uh, journey started, which connects to all these other things that are happening in my life now. But then also I was in this place of like, okay, I, I was a BDR, right? That's how I get into the SaaS world. Then I get promoted about a year after that into an AE role. And the person that I am and continuously seeking out for opportunities to continue to grow and learn new things. And the fact that I had started in sales at like age 28, 29, I was just like hungry. I was like, I have so much to learn and I just got to do it. Right. So I keep seeking these opportunities out. So 
as I was starting uh, Rev Genius with Jared and co-founded this, I was also in a, in a place in my career where I'm like, I really want to get into leadership. So how can I do that? Because it's hard for a company to say, okay, well, now you've been a BDR, you've been an AE, now you're going to go ahead and manage a team of SDRs or BDRs. It, like it's hard because you got to have the experience in order to show that you can do it. So I was thinking, what are some other ways? Let, let's think outside of this box. Let's color outside of this picture. Like, what can I do to show that I am a leader and that I'm a trusted leader? Like that I have the skills that I've done the work and I can coach, I can mentor other people. So I had done that as a BDR because I was the first one hired at Flyware as a BDR quickly with me starting within six months of me starting we had hired like five six other people and I was the one onboarding them I was the one mentoring them and I did all that stuff but by title I wasn't like a BDR manager right that wasn't my title I was another BDR so along the way I've I've thought about like what can I do to show the leadership team that I can do this you know like this is what I want to do I can show that I can do it so Rev Genius started, not because of that, but it became an opportunity to do more of that, which has been a great experience for me to really, one, like figure out, do I really want to get into leadership? And do I really want to become a manager? Or is that just kind of like this dream that I have, this idea that I'm not sure about? Um, but I do know now that that's where I want to go. That's that's the path I'm heading towards uh, in my sales career is to go into management, but I, at the same time, want to be an individual contributor. So I'm kind of like, I've always had this like hybrid type of thing going on. Even as a BDR, I was at some point BDR slash AE, right? And I've been able to live in these different worlds simultaneously. But that is sort of what's happened throughout uh, all of this time. So hopefully that makes sense <laughs> I love it. like uh honestly i love it because it's a hybrid of personal background and story to you being an adaptable agile enough eager to learn uh mm -hmm. and and that learning sort of uh that drives you as well as that curiosity that intellectual curiosity is what propelled you to be who you are today, right? Essentially, but the most beautiful thing, and I think that reflects into the community that you've helped create, which is you've created to some extent in an indirect way, a repeatable format for others that may not have had the same experience that you've had as a young sort of, um, as, 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 a young, uh, as a young kid and mm -hmm. learning that sort of sense of leadership in a way and then adapting to new ways of, of, uh, of becoming a leader and you've created this community where other people could gauge their curiosity and their ability to learn to really replicate the model that you've had and and to do that at scale right because i could go to more to the platform and i have i mean i've, I've i i i i was able to ask questions to trish pertuzzi uh mm -hmm. and everybody knows who she is right and I've been able to interact with the SDR surf community within the, the, the platform and attended a lot of meetings and that opened my network, right? It, it got me to be friends with a lot of people I wouldn't have had the chance to, to meet otherwise. And it got me to sort of answer some questions that I had. So not only mm -hmm. I feel, at least to me, it's not just the how that you've helped answer, it's the where do you go as well, right? Because that's, mm -hmm. that's the big question is, okay, now I know, I'm curious, where do I go to find that, right? And 
So that that's really, really amazing. Now, one thing I wanted to bring it back to, and I was really, really curious is you have a lot a big wave of BBRs now, right? Being hired for these SaaS businesses and everybody has a different vision. Everybody has a different dream. People are getting into the BDR function uh, to, to then be able to uh, move into the marketing team or the RevOps team or the CS team. I mean, I'm on, uh, honestly, I'm of the idea that if you are getting into the BDR team, it's mm. a sales job, it's a sales profession. Uh, I, there is no sort of cutting, cutting uh, around that. So it's like, how do you ensure that as a BDR, you come along as somebody that wants to learn the profession as opposed to mm-hmm. as someone that just want to get by, get by so that he could jump into the marketing? Not saying that you wouldn't be able to jump into marketing or CS or RevOps because the skills you accumulate in as a BDR will allow you to do that. But mm-hmm. I feel like, um, and, and you've read my, my last article talking about what, what, what personalization mean and how do you tie business acumen in this case, to the customer, understanding their pain points and re- reaching out to them as opposed to how can I send tons of emails and hope that five of them stick and I can hit my quota. So it's like, how mm-hmm. did you as a BDR operate and what skills did you use that make sure that you were not only able to take responsibility and onboard the others, but also get promoted to an AE and do that successfully? Okay, so a few things in there. Um the first thing is the fact that I think it's beautiful that you can start as an SDR or BDR and then you can go into so many different areas after that. I think that's like a really, really great opportunity to figure yourself out. Like, do I like this or do I not? Is there something else that's, that's more appealing to me in this particular organization? Um, and I think that is the, the greatest thing about being an SDR, BDR and starting out that way, because literally all doors are open and available. And for me, when I was a BDR, everyone reported into marketing, which I think was great because I really learned uh, from the marketing team. I learned about everything that they're doing, what their strategy is, right? But I was still supporting the sales team because my job was to set up meetings for the sales reps. So I had the best of both worlds in in my experience, right? Because that was my first experience was doing that. Reporting into marketing, but work and working closely with the marketing team and working closely with the sales team. So it's kind of like that middle bridge between the two, which was great because I really was the bridge between those two teams. Not to say that they didn't work really great together because they have done. And this is what I really like about Flywire is that the marketing and sales team are just having this organic, natural relationship between each other, right? But I learned that early on that and understood actually from hearing from other members in the community that this is not always the norm. It's not always the norm that these two teams are working really good together. But that, that's been my experience and it's served me really well. So the other thing to this, which I think is great if you're starting in as the BDR and SDR is that you do have those opportunities because you get to see what else is happening within this organization. What are some of the other areas I might be interested in? Like I had someone on my BDR team who fairly quickly realized like, you know, this isn't for me. This is not really what I want to do. I want to go into marketing. And this person figured that out early-ish on, right, within a couple of months of being a BDR and then get into marketing, which has served 
like super, super well for everyone involved, right? Like, so that's been great. And I was somebody who wasn't sure, like, do I go into account management or do I go into like inside sales, AE type of role, right? I, I really wasn't sure for a little while. And, and I had to figure that out by talking to other people in the other team and seeing like, hey, what is it that you do? every day like what are your main areas what do you focus on how does this tie in how are you being compensated thinking about all of those things I was like all right I don't want to go into account management that's not what I want to do this this as much as I love building a relationship and that's part of their job as much as I like the upselling because it's fun having those conversations and it's a little bit easier having those conversations especially early on I felt like that was like my comfort zone but I realized like, that's not where I want to build a career. That's not where I, I see my future. So by being a BDR, I figured that out early on and was able to then tailor like, what's the next step. And it was much easier for me then to go to the leadership team and say, hey, here's what I want to do next. Can you help me figure out how to get there? So I think it's, it serves at least our organization really well having that set up. But I also know it, it differs depending on who's on the leadership team, what, how they're structured, who are you reporting into, because the flip side to this is that if you're reporting into marketing, now you're also on marketing's budget for the year. So you may not have the same opportunities as if you were under the sales team because they probably have a different type of budget. So there are those things too, if you want to expand into various teams, but in my case, I have a reasonable and you know reasonable leadership team who were like, okay, we get it. We may not have budget for this right now, but we understand this is what you want to do. So let's see how we can work this out. Let's see how we can get you engaged and how to get you included in some of those conversations so you really can get the full picture. And, and that's what they did for me, which was super helpful. No, I mean, I, I love that. Look, it- I'm, I'm, I'm here also because I need to challenge you because I feel like that's how I, especially personal experience with you, that's how I get the most out of you in terms of wisdom sometimes. So it's like when, when you look at, um, when you look at, say, not typical sort of organization that have everything figured out, and there is a lot mm-hmm. of them out there, right? And this also will help them sort of as part of their learning curve, uh, taking in from example, Flywire is a, as a sort of a benchmark, let's say, right? So it's like, how do you ensure that when a BDR that joins in figures out that sales is not for him and then asks to change to change to marketing, usually that's very hard because you don't have the leverage, right? The the, the credibility, uh, the experience is not on your side because you just joined as a BDR and the leverage usually is the outcome. How, how have you performed and so on and so forth. So it's very mm-hmm. challenging to see a BDR say after three months, look, yeah, I don't want to do the SDR job. I don't want to do the sales job. I don't want to do the marketing. But then you look at their experience. It's very hard to then say, yeah, it's it's well worth the investment to then transition into that role. So that's why I agree with you that a sales development role with the right coaching and the right skill set can ensure mm-hmm. that you can diversify sort of your your career path from marketing to rev ops to customer success to mm-hmm. whatever that may be. So I agree 100% with you. What I was curious about as well is when you look at an organization like Flywire and you look at someone like you that has been able to be curious enough to understand what is it that they want, 
one of the things I really loved uh, Warren Buffett was talking about this. He's like, he was like, just pick 20 of your most sort of wanted goals, right? That mm-hmm. you've written down and uh, sort of, actually, sorry, that was a story I was watching on TikTok the other day, funny enough. It was uh, a pilot of Warren Buffett's that said I had 20 goals. I wanted to understand how to reach them. And he's like, well, out of those 20, circle the five that you mm-hmm. truly deem as very important. And once he did that, he came back to him. He was like, promise me you'll never look at the other 15. And all you do mm-hmm. is always focus on that. So in terms of the SDRs and the BDR and your journey, how, how do you how, how did you see yourself do that? I mean, like, did, did you, how, how did you know as you progressed along? Because you say, oh, yeah, you'll find out. But was it coincidental or did you sort of write those things down and only focused on those things and sort of executed on those things as opposed to, you know, just go with it uh, with luck or, or sort of, uh, as they call it, you know, uh, winging it? Okay, so a couple of things here um, to address the first part of, of this question was what do you do if you're an organization that doesn't have this benchmark or doesn't have certain programming in place and structure? Um, there are two ways I would look at this. Is one, is it about the company and what they have in, in place already? And number two, you as an individual going into these companies, right? So let's take a couple of steps back. As you're looking for this new role, if you're trying to be an SDR, BDR, but you might somewhere think that I might go into marketing or customer success or RevOps or whatever. Um, well, then if I was in that position, if I was that type of candidate, I would look at organization who have those type of programming in place. Like I know of a company, uh, Rapid7 out in Boston, uh, IT company, and they have programming in place where you start as a BDR and they have a rotational program where you get to try different departments. So they're very specific about that. And the only reason I know all of this is because I have uh, a friend from from college who started there uh, a little while ago. So he started th- that way, right? He started uh, as a BDR for, I think, maybe three months to have this rotational program. You get to try all these different departments to really see, is this what I envision it to be? And then at the end of it, you kind of get to choose your path, which I think is is great if you're not sure if you're coming straight out of college or from completely different industry. So there's that aspect. You can look at specific companies who have that in place. Um, the other one, I would say just being very upfront, like I'm all about having upfront conversation, just like I did at Flywire before I started saying, hey, and it wasn't about my position. This is another conversation, but it's the same concept behind it is that I had an upfront conversation and said, I am starting at this company in Boston. However, because of my circumstances and because of my story and because of what I want to do, I might be interested in relocating to London at some point. I'm not saying like the following week after I start, but I'm saying like within my first year, I probably and most likely will want to or need to relocate. Is that going to be a problem or is that an option on the table? They're like, oh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Thank you for letting us know. Like that's, that's good to keep in mind. Right. And then like three, four months after I'd started in the Boston office, I did relocate to London. So that did happen. But having those upfront conversation, I think is important to set the expectation and to kind of map some way of where you want to go. So I just wanted to address that part of, I think you do have some sort of control in either way. And 
that, that you can kind of facilitate that conversation. So if you are that SDR or BDR starting an organization where they don't have those type of programming in place or you haven't had that upfront conversation with them, well, it's never too late. But you probably also don't want to start it off within your first month or three months of saying, oh, hey, by the way, I might want to go into marketing uh, in month five and six. You know, like there, there are ways you can have that conversation. And I also think there are ways you can prepare yourself for that type of role. Like nothing is stopping you as an individual contributor to spend an extra couple of, of hours every day or every week where you are reaching out to someone in your marketing team, if that's where you want to go and say, hey, Nadir, I know you're working in marketing team. Uh, what are your main priorities right now? What are some of the projects that you're working on? And I'm really curious about digital marketing. Is there a way I can help you with something on the side? Like, just send me a few things I can do every week. Can I sit on some of your meetings? sit with them during lunch, like there are endless ways if you're really curious about that type of role where you can insert yourself and learn from them. So that's the first post I want to address before we move on to the second portion of your question. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I agree with you. The, 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 the one thing I think the, the clash with reality and I, 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 this is me, I mean, we both come from the same background in terms of sales. So, but what, one thing I've experienced is that there is always a, a, a clash with reality in the sense that I know people that have been SDRs for a year, year or two before they transition to, to a marketing role. So that mm -hmm. tells you a lot about the sort of the career path and the development falls in line with the culture of the organization more than it falls with the sort of willingness of the SDR, uh, sort of when you look at it at a, at a, at a, um, at a general sort of level where you're taking all of these startups and organizations into consideration. So it's like, how do you then help change that, uh, or in this case, deal with that change management factor of how do we create a culture where we value our SDRs early on, we define their career path early on, we define the timings, because what happens is you get hired as an SDR, but nobody's going to tell you when you're going to get promoted. There is mm -hmm. no promise, there is no timeline, there is nothing. There is not, and that's mm -hmm. the reality. I'm sharing with you the reality is what you've described is the best case scenario that everybody would wish, but not really what you see out there, not to sort of single anyone out, but it, it's it's out there for everybody to see. So it's not like uh, I'm coming up with this. So it's like- Well, I think, that's, I think that's why you have the conversations because it's easy to look back and say, well, th this, this th didn't really work out, right? But I think if you're having a conversation, if I'm, in an interview process with someone, one of my questions would be, how have other reps uh, gone from SDR to BDR to AE? What's the career path here? I think people are avoiding those questions early on because they're so desperate to get the opportunity to work for that company that they tend to just disregard it. Just like people are disregarding talking about the culture and talking about what are you specifically doing in this organization to become more diverse? What are your plans in the next five years to have a more diverse workforce? And not just for the entry-level positions for SDR, BDR, yeah. AE, but like, what are you doing for your management? How, how are you thinking about these things? People are avoiding those questions because they don't want the answers to them, right? Or they're not prepared to get the answers, they're not prepared to get the rejection if they don't like what they're hearing on the other side. So I think you have to look at this from the from the position of let's have those conversations early on let's not wait until i've been in this position for 
three or six months and then say, oh, hey, by the way, what's your career path progression here? How, what's, what's the plan? What's the structure? How, how does training work? How do I get from A to B? Like those conversations should be happening, happening before you accept the offer. Or if you can't get it directly from the company, well, there's nothing stopping you from networking your way into people who have worked or are working or both at that particular company. There's nothing stopping you from, from reaching out on LinkedIn or outside of LinkedIn through these various communities like RevGenius. Find some, like we have a channel actually on RevGenius. I don't know if you've seen about this one, but it's a know someone at channel. And you can go in there and you can say, hey, does anyone here work at Flywire? Or does somebody know someone who works at Flywire? And there you go. You reach out to that company and you, you, you find someone who's currently employed at that company. You find someone who left the company and then you ask them questions. What was your experience like? And if you, really, if, if you have certain areas that you care more about than others, like upward mobility, then ask them that, those type of questions. Be upfront. Like how, there's so many ways, I think, to go around this that's like uh, this issue that people tend to say like, oh, it's a problem. I can't get ahead. I can't get the promotion. I can't get this. Well, if you've done your job early on and if you follow through on what you're set out to do and what you're asked to do, I I don't think it's like, I don't want to make this like a definitive thing where it's just crystal clear and this is what this applies to everyone and everything because that's not always the case but I think what we need to do more of is taking accountability and ownership of our own path I think it's so much easier to sit there and say well I've been in this role now for 18 months or 24 months and I couldn't get to this position well I mean is it just the company's fault that you can't get there? Is it because they have nothing else? And, and if that is the case, then why are you still here? Nobody said that you couldn't go ahead and look for another position where you would have that opportunity and ask different questions next time. I think I think it's also a, a question of opportunity cost, right? Because like, for mm-hmm. example, uh, right now with the pandemic, the leverage is not on anybody's side in terms of people seeking for a job. Right now, you'll take any job and you'll accept whatever comes next, right? Because you don't have that option to say, I'm just going to go to some other company. But in a normal circumstance, the only way, I, at least to my opinion, uh, to my belief, the only way you can see that shift in terms of culture change, in terms of career development change, mindset at a corporate level, at a company level, and at the at an individual level, is if you have those very same individuals that ask those very clear and, and focused questions that you have shared today, but in tandem, together, as a volume, mm-hmm. right? Not as a single person, because uh, as a single person, I feel like you don't have that enough leverage. But if you make it a trend where everybody is asking those questions, you're put, you're by then putting pressure on the actual corporate and the decision makers in that team, in that company, and the culture that is being deployed at that company to reconsider, right? Because mm-hmm. you see that this is not just one person coming up with those questions, but that's a whole set of people that are coming up with that mindset of I'm not here for the money or the quick money I'm here to make money of course everybody wants to make money but also to grow to learn Mm -hmm. to develop and if you have that consistent messaging deployed for every interview and every uh, sort of interaction you have with those decision makers and those people that hire and define the culture that's where I at least I feel like that's how you could start to to change that and that's where I feel like Rev Genius 
uh, per se can be the solution in that as well as how do you educate those very same people to understand the value of what you just shared and understand how to execute on it and do so um, uh, at scale. That, I think that's, mm-hmm. that's another interesting sort of um, approach to it. The other question actually yeah. I, was, I was getting back to and I remembered it right now is how, 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 like, have you set out a clear set of goals that you said, you, I'm just going to focus on those? Or are you oh, yeah. figuring them out as you go along and then knowing sort of reverse engineering uh, mm-hmm. what, what to stay focused on or what not to? Yeah, so thank you for, for bringing this back up with the whole goal setting and, and figuring that out because you told the story earlier, right? Like the war, 20, the war. 20, Warren Buffett story, right? And I find it like a perfect timing that you're asking this question because this morning, so I have this morning routine that I try to stick to every day. Some days are better than others, but uh, most of the days, at least, I, I wake up between 5 and 5.30 in the morning. I spend the first hour and a half focusing on myself, on my own personal development. And part of, of, of that time that I spend with myself in the morning is uh, I do a couple of things, but one of them is to write down my affirmations. Another part of them is to write down my goals and, and a couple of other things I do, like reading and meditating, uh, exercising, and like all these things. So what I actually did, not this morning as I woke up at 5.30, but yesterday when I had a day off, I do that on Sundays is I take 24 hours off from all things digital. So phone, laptop, completely off. And what I did was writing down my goals. And I remember it's so fitting that you're asking this question because one of my friends, Tom Alamo, he just posted about this end of last week on LinkedIn. And he wrote that exact same story of like, here's what Warren Buffett does. Like he, he asked someone to write down, I think it was the 25 five rule. I think it's what it's called. Uh, honestly, so you write I down on TikTok. So I, I, the guy was telling the story. He said like uh, 20, uh, he wrote 20 goals and he came back. Yeah. And he, yeah write down, circle the five that you, you believe on and promise me you'll never focus on the other 15. That, yes. Yeah. Uh, And so I started that exercise and I wrote down, I think I wrote down 17 or 18 and I was, my goal was to write down 25. And at first I was like, oh, this is super easy. You know, I just write down all the things at the top of my head. And then as I got to, you know, 17, 18, it started to get a little bit harder because at some point I got into my own head of like, no, be selective because I knew at the end, I'm only going to be able to pick out five. So I'm already filtering through and being selective for myself. So it kind of went up and down in that process of writing down my goals. Um, so the next step of this is to circle. Like once, like I need to add like four or five more goals, right? And then I need to circle the, the top five and just focus on that. And so that's on, on, on my personal side of things. Uh, with Rev Genius, uh, Jared and I have done the same type of exercise, not writing down here the top 25 goals, but we kind of over time have narrowed down three specific things to focus on for our community. So we're developing those things right now. So it helps to me to be very clear on that um, with all these different things that I'm involved with, you know, with 
my full-time job during the day with Rev Genius at night and weekends. And then my podcast that I'm doing releasing next month or this month, actually, because we are in November now. Um, so there are many things happening all at once. So I have to be really goal oriented in those ways and like structuring my days, scheduling things out in advance, blocking time off, being crystal clear, like are things really aligning with what I want the outcome to look like um, and restructuring and organizing those things. So yeah, I'm very much, and I've always been like goal oriented type of person and always working backwards to what I want the ultimate outcome to look like. And then narrowing it down to something I can do every day because I am that person who needs to have something to look forward to. And that's not just on the professional side, that's on the personal side too. So to give an example, I was speaking with my fiance last night and it ends up being a situation where we can't see each other. We haven't seen each other since January of this year. So it's been 10 months since we saw each other face to face. I was devastated when I found out because I can't travel to the US I was devastated when I found out that I can't do that. And then, as you know, we're going into lockdown this week and all that stuff. So I was devastated by that. And I was like, I'm just feeling so low right now. Like I have nothing to look forward to. It's been exhausting and heartbreaking not seeing each other for so long. And he's always been like that light in my life and support. And he's like, it's going to be okay. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, I get that it's frustrating, but there's going to come better days. But I said to him, yeah, that all sounds good, but like, I need something to look forward to. What can I possibly look forward to? And so that's just the person I am, like in all aspects of my life, I need something every day to work towards and strive for to get to the ultimate outcome, right? So I just wanted to share that but because I don't think that there is a, I think there's a blurred line between personal and professional. So I don't think that you can be excellent at doing goal setting in your professional life, but then not so great in your personal life. Like, I don't believe in that. That's just my own philosophy. I think that these two things goes hand in hand, which is why like I am so open on social sharing all these things about my life um, because they're all relatable. Like they're all part of me. It's, it's a question of balance and a question of the mm-hmm. blueprint to follow up on. So um, and this is what I like about you is that you, you have to find this level of clarity, focus and execution uh, in a way that allows you to really replicate that no matter what you go after, because you do understand that to get to an outcome, you got to have an outcome sort of uh, intended first. But then you got to ask the right questions of how do I get to that outcome, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. what do I need to do to, to sort of uh, to, to reach out to for, for, for today, right? And yeah. it, that, again, brings me back to my point of intellectual curiosity, the ability to ask yourself questions continuously that matter of high impact that help you support you in a professional and a personal side. And I love that you shared that. The, the, the other thing I'm, I, the, the, one of the last things I want to bring on, and this is really important, at least to me, um, having, having two sisters that I, I look up to and I always want them to sort of succeed, is how do you help ensure uh, that we can see a bigger wave of uh, female sales leaders 
within within the the, the sort of the, the SaaS vertical and any other vertical and, and and grow that further. You talked about diversity uh, in, in in many forms, especially, mm-hmm. but like. That's a question that I really, really uh, would love to understand. How are you going about ensuring that we create a solid infrastructure, a solid foundation for which then maybe in the near future, as uh, sort of Martin Luther King said to, uh, uh, to, 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 I think it's Marshall Thurgood. He used to be the, the Supreme Court um, uh, sort of judge. And he said, you have become a giant within your own profession. So it's like, how do we create more giants uh, within mm-hmm. sales profession for, for female leaders. That's, that's something I'm curious to, to learn the initiative you're taking on. I think it's such a large question and, uh, and, yeah. and concern and challenge. Um, I find that like being an overwhelming question to answer, and I don't think we have enough time to get into all the depths of it. Instead, I want to take the position of like, what can you do? What what are you responsible and accountable for, right? To create that kind of environment and that kind of culture within your community, within your tribe, within your circle, within your organization, wherever you are, there you are, right? Empowering or helping uh, other people to succeed. And if you specifically as a male wanted to empower and help women and, and give them a part of wherever you're a part of, I think there are some tactical things that we can consider doing more of. So something I've appreciated um, men do in meetings, for example, is to take a step back and allow my voice to be heard, right? And allow other uh, voices in the room to be heard, whether that's in person, like it used to be back in the days, mm-hmm. or if that's a virtual, right? It's as simple as just mute yourself and allow other people to jump in and have a conversation as well. So that's one thing I would say, like folk, and we talk about this all the time, but only when it comes to prospect is to listen more than you talk. But then when it comes into all these other conversations, we have one-on-one or in group settings or in a webinar or a round table, whatever it is, those kind of rules just tend to go outside of the window, right? Like no, now all of a sudden nobody cares and nobody, or not cares, but like nobody pays attention to it. But when they're in a setting with a prospect, they do. So it's like, again, going back to like the blurred lines between who you are as a profession and who you are as a person outside of your job. To me, those should go hand in hand. Those should be the same, right? So if you are really good at listening when you're listening to your prospects, why aren't you as good as listening to your friends or listening to your peers or listening to the members or listening to whoever is in the room with you? So that's one thing. And I've appreciated when coworkers of mine have done that in meetings with prospect. And they said, oh, wait, I think you had something to say that did you want to finish your sentence? Do you want to finish that thought that you had? So that's one thing. Um, I think the other thing is like give credits where credits are due. I think a lot of people just, uh, we all have this ego, right? Where we want to feel fulfilled and we want to have ownership and we want to have all these things to make us feel good usually because something else is missing in our life. So that kind of somewhat balance it out or you think you do. But I think being being aware of that and, and paying attention to those moments of like, am I seeking out validation right now? Do I need this or do I need to give this to somebody else? Is there somebody else who needs this more than I do right now? And, and evaluate all areas and aspects of your life to consider that. 
that's another thing. Um, and I think just having more direct dialogues with each other about these things, you know, things aren't going to change on a macro level until we change on a micro level. So taking accountability and ownership of this, we're all a part of this community, you know, whether it's sales or marketing or RevOps or industry specific or gender specific or race specific, whatever it is, we're all humans at the end of the day. And we all need to be more considerate of one another, regardless of what our backgrounds are. And I think not everyone is, is thinking at that level. Not, and I'm not saying I'm a perfect human being because I'm far from perfect, but I have become more self-aware and I have to, and I've started to acknowledge these things because the more people I meet, the more I realize like how similar we all are. And also at the same time, I realize how different we can be as well. So it's just acknowledging those areas and then, and then taking that ownership of like, what part am I playing in this? Uh, I like that. I like that philosophy, that mind, uh, that, that thinking um, process that you put there. It's, uh, it's definitely the, the one where you're asking the right questions more than you're looking for, for, for answers is how do you ask the right questions before you look for those good answers, right? Because you could, you could always ask questions, but without clarity, um, even if you execute, it doesn't really help. Uh, so that, that's really um, a good thing to hear. Well, last thing. You know, yeah. But you know what the last point is to that is uh, something that's helped me too is seeking feedback. Instead of seeking validation from people, seeking feedback from people, that helps you change the way that you approach things and the way you think about them. So something I try to do more of is specifically seeking out feedback. And even sometimes I give feedback, unsolicited feedback without anyone asking me, if I see something that stands out to me, if I see someone did something that made me think a certain way about that action or made me feel a certain way, they might not have come to me and say, hey, Galen, what's your feedback or what's your um, ideas about this? I just come to them directly and say, hey, I noticed this. Here's what it made me feel or think about. Um, do you mind, like, do, could you have a conversation with me about this? I'm just trying to understand really why you did this or where this idea came from. So, so I can be like at peace, you know, at the end of the day, because I don't want to hold resentments towards other people because it never serves me well. So instead of sitting there and thinking about something that someone did, whether it was to me or somebody else, I'll just go directly to the source and be like, hey, Nadir, I noticed this, this and that, or I noticed this thing. Um, let's have a conversation. Or like, can you help me understand why this happened? It's, a, it's an open mindset and open to uh, constructive criticism, uh, if that's the case, or curiosity, if that's the narrative. But it's also with the intent to learn and understand to uh, create that informed decision-making advantage of whatever that decision is at the end of the day, whatever that belief you have, whatever that thought you have, to make it an informed decision mm -hmm. before you actually uh, make that decision. I think that always is an advantage, uh, goes to an advantage to you. Uh, as much as to the other persons. I, I agree 100%. And to, to, to close this interview, this amazing interview, I actually was curious. You got me curious. I wanted to know what was one of the, the top sort of uh, personal uh, uh, goals you said out loud yesterday. Uh, gee, again, you just got me curious. So uh, if, uh, if you feel free to, to, to sort of uh, not want to share, but uh, it, it definitely got me curious. 
Um, so there are a few things, but uh, I would say one of my personal goals, which ties into the professional side, is like being able to purchase my own home, you know, and I want to be able to do that within the next year. So that was a top of my list was like, that's both on a personal and professional because they tie in right to one another. Um, a couple of other things on my goals. And, and again, I think about this both short term, like within the next year and also in the next five years. And another part of my goal, again, this is personal, is starting a family and having my own family. That's something I've wanted for a long time. So that's another area um, that I would like to get into at some point. Um, on, on the professional side of things and with the community, it's like getting to a certain uh, target that Jared and I've talked about for the community. So it could be like getting to X amount of members within this certain time frame, as an example. Um, that's another part of my goal. So in like getting into leadership type of position uh, in sales, like that's another goal. So I have those things and I, and I, I tend to be kind of a mixed balance between the two. Like I, I have professional, I have personal goals. And then I kind of try to meet somewhere in the middle of like, how can I accomplish both of the, these things simultaneously? Well, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, I see, I've, I've seen you sort of execute in terms of the mindset and the clarity around both the personal and the, and the professional side in a, in a hybrid way, if you will, but still in a way that would allow you to stay sort of, uh, feel accomplished uh, outside of just professional life, mm -hmm. also as a, in a personal life. And as, as a friend, um, and you know me, you know me, and you know how much I like you as a person and sort of uh, admire you. I, I, I can only wish you the best. So thanks again, Gallum. I really Thank appreciate you. this. Uh, I admire you too. And, and I appreciate you for having this conversation with me. It's been really good talking. Always, always. Thank you. Till next time. Thank you, my friend. Take care. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Great insight. Technology feeds you actionable insights on prospects, pain points, and needs at scale by integrating with your outbound strategy and your tech stack. Go to gr8insight.com and sign up for free today.